The following has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Okay, you may be seated today. Hey, we've got a, a long ways to go, as the old Smokey and the Bandit song said, and a short time to get there. So I want to encourage you to kind of buckle up. I want to talk to you a little bit today about a, uh, some theological understanding and basis. I'm going to use a lot of word today. And, you know, one of the things that we like to do in our services is we like to make them enjoyable. We try to create a little bit of an entertainment value from the standpoint of, you know, changing up some lights so it's kind of fun to get in there. Um, this message is a little bit more theological, so I thought I'd start off with a little bit of entertainment. So notice this, two fingers, one on each hand. Stay close. Now watch this. Pretty impressive, huh? Got one other one. See this finger in my hand? Now watch closely. Watch this. Ah, huh? All right. That's the entertainment value for the day. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Romans chapter. Don't you know we can have fun in church? I hope when you come, you always have a great time in church. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Last week, we talked about our position of righteousness, which is what we have in Christ Jesus. And because of that, we are flawless. Some of you are beginning to understand that, that you're actually flawless because you're hidden in Christ Jesus. In spite of some wrong behavior, you're flawless. Because our position of righteousness, we are able to stand before God without a sense of guilt, condemnation, or inferiority because of Jesus. Because we're in Him, we're able to do that. Now, if it's just based on me, I'm going to have some condemnation. I'm, I'm going to have some, some inferiority and some guilt in my life. So today I want to talk about and kind of continue from where I left off at the end of last message about what's the deal with sin. You ever think about that? What on earth is the deal with sin? Now that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, what's the deal with sin? And I want to share it so that we don't allow sin to stop or to hinder or to bind up God's blessing from flowing in our lives. Because while we have been forgiven of our sins Sin can steal from us and it can rob us from the abundant life that God has for us. This is why you see followers of Jesus Christ who love Jesus, they're going to heaven, but man, they're not walking in the abundant life. In fact, there is hell going on in their life all the time. Sometimes it's because we've provided an opportunity for sin. So Romans chapter 5, verse 12, again, buckle up, hang on, we're going to have a great time today. Therefore... Just as sin entered the world through one man, now who was the one man? Adam, when Adam sinned, sin entered in the world and it affected his entire seed. Because when Adam sinned, we were in him 6,000 generations ago or 6,000 years ago, multiple generations ago, we were in him, it affected you and me. So just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, now do you see the progression here? Adam disobeyed, sin came, and when sin came, death came, and men died. And in this way, death came to all men because all sin. Verse 13. For before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin did, is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned, another word there could be ruled, from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who do not, did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was the pattern of the one to come. So Adam is setting a pattern of the one to come, who is Jesus. So sin was in and the world, and it ruled the world, 
even before anything, even before we did anything wrong. Because we were in Adam, it brought death to every one of us. If y'all are picking up what I'm laying down, wave your hand at me just a second. All right. So it's looking kind of hopeless, right? And we can kind of start wondering, well, how on earth are we going to get out of this? Watch this. Verse 15. But the gift. Now, what's the gift, the free gift that you and I have received? Righteousness is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? In other words, just like when Adam sinned, we all sinned because we were in him, and that sin or that trespass brought death. Now God's grace, unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor, and the gift of righteousness, being in right standing with God, overflows to the many, to whoever receives Jesus into their life. Not whoever dresses the best on Sunday, whoever has the most quiet times, but whoever receives Jesus into their lives. Verse 16, again, the gift of God is not like the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. Now, what does justification mean again? Declared righteous. For if by the trespass of the one man, Adam again, death reigned through the one man, how much more will those who receive, notice it's those who receive, and just so you know, you can receive Christ into your life and not daily receive everything that we're about ready to talk about. You have to day by day, moment by moment, be a receiver. Constantly receiving, constantly receiving, constantly receiving. You're that bird that I was talking about last week. Ah! Bring it to me, right? Those who receive God's abundant provision of grace. Not just a little bit. Oh, you know, there's a, there's a limited quality or amount of grace that God's going to be able to give me. No, it's an abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness. Those that do that, they're going to do what? Reign. Again, the word could be rule in life to those who receive the, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness through the one man, Jesus Christ. So we're not doing it in, our, in and of ourselves. We're doing it because we're in Christ Jesus. Now, how many of you are ready to take your position, of, of the rightful position of righteousness that you have, and rule in life? Let me get your hands up again. Amen. As your faith is today, so be it unto you. How do you do that? Through Jesus Christ, by receiving an abundance of grace. When do you need grace the most? When you don't deserve it. Right? When you've blown it, said the thing, did the thing, receiving the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Verse 18, consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness, Jesus Christ dying for us, was justification, a declaration of righteousness that brings life for all men. Everyone has an opportunity to be declared righteous. But you're going to have to believe and receive and stand in your righteousness. See, we think it's about just coming to Christ. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe you, God. I'm going to ask you into my life. Okay, thank you for that, that, that gift of righteousness. So, God, I'm going to go out now, and I'm going to work and try to perform for you. No, you have to constantly be believing and receiving. In fact, when you're receiving, it gives, it's an indicator that you're believing. God, I don't deserve it, but God, I'm receiving it today. 
I said that thing to my wife. I said I wouldn't say again, but God, thank you. I'm receiving grace today. I'm praying she's going to give me grace too. But I'm receiving grace. And I'm standing in righteousness. I'm recognizing I'm not, I'm not getting that grace because of me. I'm getting it because I'm standing in righteousness. Man, I'm telling you, this gets me so excited. I really do want to run around the sanctuary. So if I take off in just a minute, y'all wait for me, okay? In fact, you can join in with me if you'd like. Verse 19. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Now, why does it say be made righteous? Because you have to receive it. Again, you can receive it for salvation, but you have to receive it all the time to understand it's who you are. It's your position because the enemy is going to tell you you're not that. You have to believe and receive your righteousness. You can't keep declaring, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. You're either a sinner or you're saved by grace. You can't be both things. And if you're saved, you're righteous, therefore you qualify for every promise that God has given you and I in the word of God. And, and, and this is important, you, you don't have to practice sin anymore. L- let me let you know, because if you keep thinking, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, I'm, I'm supposed to sin. You don't have to practice sin anymore. You can practice and act righteous. Let me say it again. You can practice and act righteous because that is what you are, righteous. Verse 20, the law was added so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned or ruled in death, so also grace might reign through, the, through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, we need to understand something here because eternal life is not talking about living forever. Everybody's going to live forever. We're all going to live forever. What we want to make sure is that we get the right address of where we're going to live forever. We want to be at 777 Heaven Boulevard, not 666 Hell Street. We gotta make sure we get the right address. And when we reign in righteousness, we have the abundant, God-centered, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord to reign in this life. And when I'm reigning, ruling, and standing in God's righteousness, I know that because of what Jesus has done, I have a right to stand there, not because of me, but because of what Jesus has done. So I hope you're beginning to see how powerful your position of righteousness is. It's a position that you have, not based upon your performance, but because of what Jesus has done. See, but in that, when we begin talking about righteousness, some people still begin to wonder, well, now that I'm the righteousness of God, it seems like I have the right to do whatever I want to do. Because in the righteousness of God, I can miss the mark and still be in the righteousness of God. And you're right, you are. Even in your failure, you're still the righteousness of God. I know that some of you are going, poof. You're like that little commercial on TV where the top of their head disappears. Poof. Your head's blown away because you're going, how can that be? Because it's not based on you. It's not based on your performance. It's based on a position that you have in Christ Jesus. Even when you miss the mark, you're still righteous. 
But now Paul addresses that in the next chapter. This is where we kind of picked up last week. Romans 6, 1 says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? He, in the very next verse, he answers it. By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? You and I, when we gave our lives to Christ, we died to sin. So how can we live in it any longer? And again, God's whole attitude is, look, I'm not telling you not to sin because I can't take care of it. It's already been taken care of. Just so you know, even the sins you're going to commit tomorrow, next week, next month, or maybe even on the way out in the parking lot today, they've already been forgiven. Already been forgiven. And God's not saying, look, I can't take care of it. It's just that when you sin, it brings baggage into your life. I was thinking about that this week, and have you ever seen somebody that's really addicted to either alcohol or drugs? And sometimes they're, they're 25 years old, and they look like they're 50 the reason is, is because sin brings damage to us. It damages our soul. It damages relationships. It damages everything around us. So God's saying, look, I can take care of it. It's been taken care of. But you've got to understand that sin is a seed that's going to produce things in your life. So you want to avoid sin at all costs. So sin presents a problem because it creates roadblocks to all the things that God wants flowing in your life. To the abundant life that God wants in your life. Wholeness, wellness, joy. Depression is not from God. Oppression is not from God. Heaviness is not from God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the things that are already inside of you. But sin squashes those things and keeps them from producing in our lives. So Paul writes in verse 2 again, by no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? This is what we did last week when we water baptized people. We're saying we are being baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live now. When we came out, we're saying, God, just like you were raised from the dead, who we were died, buried that old person, and now we're alive in Christ Jesus. Now, I know this passage is a little lengthy, but but stay with me. It says, if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Now, we sang about being slaves to fear, but fear is just the byproduct of sin operating in the world. We're no longer slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. And the life he lives, he lives for God. Verse 11, in the same way. Now watch this. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. You and I are dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. Notice that we're responsible to not allow sin to reign in our mortal bodies. Don't you wish God would just not allow sin to reign in our mortal bodies? The moment we are about ready to sin, okay, I'm not supposed to do that. About ready to do something else, wouldn't that be cool? We're responsible. So that you obey its evil desires. 
God doesn't want us obeying its evil desires. Do, do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death. You and I have been brought from death, the sin nature, into life. Woo! And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law but under grace. Here's what he's saying. Before sin dominated because of what Adam did. But now because of what Jesus did, sin does not dominate you. It doesn't have dominion over your life. Catch this today. You do not have to sin. If you don't want to sin. Because it no longer dominates your nature. See, this passage is is saying, yes, there was a time when sin dominated. But this is a new day, new way, new covenant. You do not have to sin. People sin, but not because the devil made them do it. Isn't that great to be able to say that? Man, I did that because the devil made me do it. But not because the devil made them do it. People sin because they want to. Because they have a desire to. And what this passage says is just like you, we used to turn ourselves over to sin, now turn yourself over to righteousness. See, again, if you think that you're a sinner saved by grace, you think you're supposed to sin. So we keep turning ourselves over to sin. I'm supposed to do it. But if you begin to understand that you're righteous, you're a righteous dude, you're a righteous dudette, you begin to understand that, suddenly you can start turning yourself over to righteousness. Let me share something amazing. The sin you struggle with, the the addictive behavior that you said, God, I'm not ever doing this again, and you've done it 50,000 times more, that sin, if you're a child of God, it does not dominate you. You need to get into the righteousness of God and practice righteousness by believing and declaring your righteousness. Let's just say you've got a temper. You've got a temper, so you always blow it. Oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm just supposed to have a temper. I'm Irish. My parents were like this. I'm around people that are temper, so this is the way I can defend myself, so I've got to do it. You'll continually do it. But if you begin to say, that's not who I am, I don't have to lose my cool. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, patience dwells in me. And God, I thank you that I'm righteous. You'll begin to overcome that. doesn't mean that it's going to happen instantly or overnight. But you'll begin to overcome because you no longer believe that's who you are. It's just what you did. Let me remind you again, failure is not who you are. Failure is an event. Yesterday really did end last night. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. So stop declaring you're a sinner. Stop declaring, oh, that's just who I am. If you are saved, declare, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Sin no longer has a hold on me. Now, the rest of this chapter, it talks about being a slave to righteousness. Because in righteousness, you have a license to practice righteousness. So he's saying, you don't have to practice sin anymore. Because your license has been changed from sin to righteousness. Real quick side note on on this. People say that if you preach grace, that you're giving people a license to sin. Really, nothing could be further from the truth. It's when you preach the law or you point out and focus upon people's sins that you give people a license to sin. Because they think that's what they're supposed to do. Listen, and I get it. 
I know that there are people who in their process of understanding God's grace are seeing God's grace as a doormat that they can go out, play in sin all they want, and come in and wipe their dirty feet on it. So when, I, when I'm talking about righteousness and who they are, they're like, preach it, man. But then I start telling them to practice righteousness, which is what we have to do, right? We have to practice it because sometimes we're unlearning some wrong behavior. When I'm telling them to practice righteousness because sin has, no longer has dominion over them, they get a little frustrated at me. They get, they get a little mad and, and they're not as excited about following Jesus anymore. Because of ignorance or their limited understanding of God's grace, they thought, listen, as long as I'm the righteousness of God, I think it's just okay for me to sin. But that's not what God is saying through Paul in this passage. He's saying, you still have to practice righteousness. You still have to develop it. You still have to learn how to change the behaviors, the fruit of what's happening on the inside of you. Because God wants you to walk in the abundant life that he has for you. God wants your relationships to work. God, in fact, God wants your relationships to work more than you want them to work. God wants you to be healthy. In all areas of your life. In your physical body. In your emotions. Everything. God wants you to be healthy in all those areas. God wants you to be blessed financially. He wants you to walk in the abundant life that he has for you. Listen, I know that again when we say that blessing financially, that sounds so anti-God based upon the way that some of us were raised. You know, the word of God teaches us that we are blessed to be a blessing. And when we're blessed, we can bless others on all occasions. Meaning, man, you got some front pocket money that, man, somebody comes up in need, and you go, man, here's a 20 spot. Man, God bless you. I hope you get that gasoline situation taken care of. Instead of, you know what, I don't have any money. Let's go find Pastor Richie and see if the church can do something. Because the church has an unlimited amount of money. Heaven is just producing money for us and just shooting it down through one of those little things you go through the drive through at the bank. We get those every Sunday morning, big old canister of money. Oh, Jesus, thank you again for doing that again. So God has an abundant life for you. God wants to prosper you. Why don't you say that? Say, God wants to prosper me. Say it again. God wants to prosper me. So he's dealing with this issue of sin. In verse 15, he says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are a slave to sin which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So who are we slaves to? Sin, which leads to death, death in our finances, relationships, other issues of our life, or obedience to righteousness, which leads to the abundant life God has for us. What are we a slave to? See, when the test comes with your money, since I'm on this today, Jesus told us that there are two masters when it comes with the, with the test of your money, God and money, and you can't serve them both. So when the, the money test comes, do you honor God with your first fruits? Do you bring the tithe, the 10%, the first fruits to God? Do you bring offerings to God with a grateful heart because the Lord loves a cheerful giver? Because whatever choice you make with money to obey God or not is an indication or a revelation about who is your master. It's what the Word of God says. Because this passage in God's word says that when you offer yourself, see, it's placing the responsibility for movement on you and I. It's what I was saying earlier in the, at the end of the worship time. That, man, God began to say to Moses, what is that in your hand? 
He he wants you and I to begin doing something, begin going. Listen, as followers of Jesus Christ, we always have a go related to the things of God until God says no. We don't have a no until we think God audibly says go. So in case you're praying about serving in an area of the church, God says go. It's okay. You can go until God says no. And he's probably not going to say no when it comes to loving on his people. Amen. Preach it, Richie. So the responsibility is on us for movement. I offer myself. The devil didn't push me. He may have been a part of placing it in front of me to tempt me, but I offered myself. Listen, if you end up in bed with someone that's not your spouse, don't act surprised in the morning like, well, how on earth did I get here? Well, looky here. Who's this in the bed with me? How'd this happen? Why are my clothes off? Right? It happened because you offered yourself thought by thought. You knew the moment you got into a relationship with that someone, bells were going off, ding, 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 ding. The way my bells normally go off is my wife says, keep away from that person. Honestly, I listen to her. I'm, I'm so oblivious to some of that stuff sometimes. My wife goes, man, do you see that way that girl's acting towards you? I'm like, I seriously don't. But when my wife tells me that, ding, 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 I'm out. Not meeting with that person, I'm going to avoid that person because it happens thought by thought. You know, you don't, you don't end up where you're at right now and suddenly in sin. It's just thought by thought. Thought by thought. You know, God, I, ooh, I really want to. Oh, they make me feel so good. Oh, God, I'm, my, my spouse isn't making me feel good. Oh, God, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, hey, how'd this happen? Amen. You did it because you wanted to. So we need to recognize that because we're children of God, we're no longer slaves to sin. We don't have to sin. But when we do sin, listen, we have an advocate with the Father. We're, we're still the righteousness of God, but you need to recognize, I need to change some of the ways that I'm thinking. I need to turn off the TV. I need to get rid of sin to the max on my cable TV. Cinemax, right? I, I need to get rid of some stuff on my TV. I need to get rid of some stuff on my TV that's going in my eye gate, that's going into my ear gate, because it's moving me from over here to over here. So, listen, you need to recognize you did it because you wanted to. When you flip someone off, it's because you wanted to. When you were angry with someone, it's because you wanted to. When you were fearful, or again, worry, it's because you wanted to. You don't have to worry. Let me, let me let you off the hook. The Bible says we're not to worry. doesn't mean we don't have a responsibility to do things, but I'm not doing things thinking that I'm taking care of everything. You know, I've tried lots of times to be in charge of my life, and every time I do it, God says, knock yourself out, Pastor Richie. Actually, he calls me just Richie. Actually, he just calls me sweetie. Knock yourself out, man. Do it. And you know what? Now I'm learning, because it used to take me months flat on my face and going, oh, God, what's going on? He goes, you want me to step back in again? Now I'm recognizing it kind of stumbling. I go, wait a second. Yeah. God, maybe I really do need you. See, a lot of times it's really just an old mindset that's hanging around. That's why we need the word of God to renew our minds so that we understand how to live a life that honors God, that pleases God. See, if you start recognizing that you don't have to do it, but we wanted to do it, we can start focusing on our righteousness. And even in the midst of kind of dealing with some stuff, but oh God, I really want to give in to that and say, you know what, that's not who I am. 
I've been there before, done that, got the t-shirt, right? That's a horrible place to be. See, that way we can recognize that we don't want to serve the master of sin anymore. Because he is a mean master. The Bible says he's a thief, that he's come to steal, he's come to kill, and he's come to destroy. Verse 17, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. Let me pause right there for just a second. We used to be slaves to sin, but now we're making a decision. I'm not just going to hear the word of God being taught to me. I'm going to actually obey it. I'm going to get into church and I'm not coming as some religious checklist. God, if you do that, and really I'm on autopilot thinking about the the gardening that I'm going to do today. I'm here to learn and let the the life-giving word of God breathe into me today. Have you ever noticed in the morning, especially you can really tell the closer you get to somebody, the more you can smell their breath? You know what? From 30 feet away, man, everyone wakes up with great breath. But when you're like this, in the morning you roll over, hey baby, how's it going, right? And they go, it's going great. (laughs) If you want to hear the breath of God, which by the way, his breath is awesome. (laughs) You got to get up close to him. You connect with him. God, I want to hear your word. God, I want to to hang out with you today. God, I want to spend some time with you. Lord, I, I'm not doing Christianity just because of something that might kind of help me on Sundays, and it's kind of cool because one day I'm going to go to heaven. God, I want to walk in the abundant life you have for me now and eternal life with you. Verse 17, but thanks be to God that though you were used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You've been set free from sin. Let me say that again to you. You've been set free from sin. You've been set free and have become slaves to righteousness. See, I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. Listen, I want to remind you that holiness is not plain clothes or no makeup. That's not holiness. It might be ugly, but it's not holiness today. (laughs) Holiness... (laughs) Holiness, holiness is being set apart to God. See, when we became followers of Jesus Christ, what we made a decision to say is, Jesus, I'm going to follow after you. We didn't say, Jesus, okay, I want eternal life, but I really want to live however I'm going to live. In in fact, I want to encourage you, if that's what you've done, you may need to go back and actually really surrender your life to Christ and really give your life to him. Because what you said is, God, I I, want to get my thinking now in alignment with the way that you think. If you're in your word, you say something's wrong, I want to think it's wrong. I don't care how culturally unpopular it is, I want to think it's wrong. God, if you say something is right and this what needs to happen, God, I want to think it's right too. That's holiness. Verse 20, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap? Now notice he's talking about some fruit that's coming out of our lives, the benefit that we're reaping at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of. What benefit did you reap? From getting drunk, from, from worrying and being anxious all the time, from being fearful, thinking that you're in control of your life. What benefit did you reap? These things result in death. 
But now that you have been set free from sin and to become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. See, God's concerned about the fruit in your life. He's concerned about what your life is producing. That's why he's talking about sin here, because he's concerned about the fact there's some things going on in your life that are stopping or bottling up his promises to you. Watch what sin produces. Next verse, 23, for the wages of sin is what? What's the payment for sin? But the gift of God is eternal life. It's the abundant life while here on, on this earth and eternal life in heaven with Christ Jesus and in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, the eternal abundant life is made available in Christ Jesus. That's why he's trying to show us how to remain in Christ. It's by faith. He says don't sin because it creates an attack against your righteousness. Every time you sin, you feel condemned. You feel inadequate. You feel unworthy. You feel guilty. And the power for living the way of righteousness is living a life of faith. Not, not by how I feel. If you're going to let your feelings dictate and guide your life, I promise you're going to find yourself in the ditch all the time. It's by faith. When you choose to stand in the righteousness of God, because you have, Christ's finished work has made you flawless. So we live the life of faith. And faith is like a muscle. You have to feed it. You have to exercise it for it to grow. In fact, if you do nothing, it doesn't just remain in neutral. It literally begins to atrophy. So you got to feed it. you got to hear the word of God. When we begin to catch that, we will make sure that there is absolutely nothing that is going to keep us out of the house of God every time the doors are open. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Don't shout me down this morning. We, we will make church a priority, not try to fit it into our schedule if there's nothing else going on. If there's anything else going on in our culture today, it stops people from coming to church. And I literally mean anything else going on. It should be the number one priority that we can't wait to come and hear the word of God. To say, God, I want my faith to be fed today, God, so that my faith begins to be, see that right there? That doesn't happen overnight. Begin to feed your faith. Listen, in your quiet time, getting alone with God, feeding your faith. You're reading something and a word jumps out at you. Man, you start speaking that over your life. Getting into a connect group. Going to the next level where you're studying with other people and you're learning more about God. Instead of this Christianity, just kind of this, again, in the sweet by and by, one thing when I get to heaven, it's the abundant life here and now. You feed your faith. And then you have to exercise your faith. You start speaking the word of God over your life. You start moving out things that you're learning and that you're hearing even before you fully understand it or believe it. Listen, why create a problem that is going to stop the power of God from working in your life? By giving in to the desires of sin. You have to understand that sin is going to take you farther than you want to go. It's going to cost you more than you want to pay and it's going to keep you longer than you want to stay. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're a slave to righteousness. Pastor Rich, yeah, I still sin. Join the club. We all do. We all have some areas of our life we're still working through. And even when we start overcoming in some areas of our life, we still struggle. Some people are still wondering, do I, do I, do I have to sin, Pastor Richie? Let me close with this. 1 Corinthians 10 says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will provide a way out 
so that you can stand up under it? What is a temptation? It's a pressure to your flesh. God says he's going to provide a way out. So when you're tempted, you can start relaxing, start being filled with joy, and start looking for you the way out. What's the way out? God, I thank you that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't have to be fearful. I don't have to be mad at my spouse to get them to do something. God, I can trust you with my spouse or with my kid. It's focusing on your righteousness. That's the thing that will empower you to overcome sin. I'm going to get you to bow your heads and close your eyes today. I want to pray over us right now. We don't have a lot of time left, and so real quickly, I just want to pray this over you right now. That you will receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. That you will understand you have not, you will not, you never will qualify for the blessed life that God has for you because of you. You've done it because of what Jesus has done. That you received an abundance of grace. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com.